You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera and everything in between, Interstate Batteries has the batteries for your everyday needs. If you need to stop into a local retail store, you can do it. They have thousands of retail stores all over the United States, and they have battery specialists that work there that can answer any question you may have. Or if you want to go to interstatebatteries.com and find out more information about the company as a whole and all of the batteries that they offer, you can do that. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Today, I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Bob Polanik. Bob is the co-host on the Hunting Gear podcast. In today's episode, we are covering our recent trip to the Archery Trade Association show. We talk about gear, we talk about bows and arrows and the interviews and Bob's first time experience going to this show um, so it's a very gear heavy episode, but at the same time, we, uh, wind down the podcast with a conversation about a gathering that was held at the ATA show. It was something called the social summit, and it was put on by the ATA show and the hunting public. And, uh, we talk about what our experience was with that, uh, that summit we talk about uh, you know what we have to do as a culture to sustain hunting, uh, to, to start trending it back in the right direction, and uh, there's definitely a big fight that's coming, or not necessarily a fight, but uh, we're going to have to do a lot of work within the hunting industry and the hunting community to um, make sure that our passion gets to stay our passion and our hobby gets to stay our hobby moving forward. So there's that so ata show recap we talk about the social summit what else am i missing here uh we got to do a commercial right and today's commercial is about ozonics now you often hear me talk about the role that ozone plays in my scent 
uh, my scent strategy every single year. And I don't know if there is another product on the market that can compete with what Ozonics does. Uh, I know a lot of companies are coming out with different ozone technologies or, or uh, better yet, these ion technologies that claim to do the same thing that ozone does, but it does not. So, um, you know, ozone plays a role in my access route. It plays uh, a role in how I set up my tree stand for specific winds and uh, it allows me to be way more aggressive and then outside of the hunt it allows me to not have to wash my clothes every single day that's simple with uh, a unit and the dry wash mode and the dry wash bag that uh, you that you can set the the unit to uh, it's just a really overall good product now a lot of people say hey that's too expensive I can't afford it well you know what? Save your money, right? If, if you're serious about hunting, uh, I'm telling you what, it's worth every single penny as far as uh, the price is concerned. Save your money and then see the difference firsthand. And if you want to ask questions about it, man, hit me up on the DM. I will, I'll answer as many questions as I possibly can about how I think ozone can, you know, can have an impact on your hunting season, specifically from the scent side of things. So, uh, ozonicshunting.com, and uh, I got a code here. Let me look for this code. I have like 16 pieces of paper in front of me. All right, here's the code. If you go to their website and you enter the discount code 9FC19, you can buy a unit, any unit, and you can get a free dry wash bag. So you'll get a free dry wash bag with purchase of that unit. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, and just one more thing real quick. If you don't want to buy one, borrow one from a buddy and then go hunt with it. And then you'll go, then you'll want to go buy one. So it's one of those products where, you know, everybody's skeptical first, but until they actually try it and that dough or buck comes downwind out of range and doesn't, doesn't blow at you, that changes the game. So, uh, Ozonics. All right. Uh, other than that, I think we're good to go into this episode where we recap the ATA show and talk a little bit about the social media summit. Bob Polanik, what's up, dude? Not too much, man. Just uh, getting back to uh, getting back in the groove of things with work. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, what was know. it what was it like going back to your job after I guess being away for it away from it for one two like was it two days and then you had you basically had a four day weekend thinking about and talking about nothing but hunting and then having to go to work and basically not talk about hunting at all. Well, by the time by the time Sunday rolled around, I was ready to not talk to anyone for a little bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely flew back to uh michigan with like just headphones in watching a movie on the airplane just trying to decompress but no um i don't know by midday friday i kind of had a little bit of downtime there at one point and i was just starting to think about how like you know it's january and talking about all this gear and seeing everything seeing all the mounts and everything and just a ton of people that are hardcore hunters just really like got like the fire like relit yeah like it's like well it's like luckily 
there's some shed hunting opportunities coming up once you know winter breaks but yeah i just felt a fire to go hunting again and it was like man it's gonna be a long eight nine months before uh <laughs> get to do any of that so but it's not like your life is full of depression because you're a steelhead fisherman and that's right now that's peak time right right about now up into march um i'd say december's november december's like really good um january and february are good but the weather has to cooperate you right. can't it's tough it's tough to go when it's really cold out just because of the freezing the freezing issues either the river freezes over or um yeah you get a bunch of ice in your eyelids and stuff like that but um but no we've had a pretty mild winter and so kind of anytime it's above 30 degrees it's pretty good yeah it's great great time to go steel fishing and then yeah once march comes it um yeah it's game on for for steelhead yeah so do you like chicken salad sandwiches not really no not really man i tell you what they're delicious but they're hard to clean up (laughs) because i i walk into my office and i have my sandwich sitting on top of a i don't know like a a paper organizer and I'm trying to carry all this stuff up to my office and it slides off and it lands on the floor and my momentum carries me into stepping in it. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, like you uh, said before we started recording, it's just like, uh, do you ever have those days where, and I didn't even let you finish your sentence. And I was like, yep. And (laughs) so today, (laughs) Today is a drop a chicken salad sandwich, step in it, getting mad at like inanimate objects for no reason type of day. So you can't even you can't even do five second rule once you step in it. It Right, right. That no longer works. Right. So about mm, half of it had to get thrown away because it just got smashed. I would have needed a spoon to eat it. And uh, (laughs) but luckily, I get to rebound really quickly and talk about hunting gear and equipment and uh the first thing that i want to say is for those of you who are listening right now this is the nine finger chronicles podcast and me and bob recorded a whole bunch of interviews and they're going to be pieced together or launched separately Uh, just keep an eye out for the hunting gear podcast for the next several months because we recorded a lot of really good interviews and uh they're going to be you know dropped periodically on the um, on the hunting gear podcast and on the sportsman's nation so keep an eye out for that now um first question i have for you right out of the gate what was your favorite interview favorite interview um and this is not this is not biased at all i know the answer Uh, well then say it what is it mystery ranch yeah see that dude was i mean that was the first time i met alex the guy we interviewed but like his knowledge mm-hmm. of, of all the materials, everything that goes into it, I mean, if every if every single interview could have gone that way, yeah. it would have been. I mean, that would that would have been the best case scenario. I, th- I think we still had a lot of great conversations with great people, um, and there's just a lot going on with um, advancements in technology, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he just he he crushed it. Yeah, absolutely crushed it. And there, there were a handful of really, really good uh, recordings and podcasts that we did with some people who are in that position for a reason because they they don't they don't not only know about 
their company, but they know about the products, um, uh, like the category in general, and they're a participant in the sport, which, you know, let's just for uh, imagine for a moment a guy trying to uh, design a broadhead who was not a bow hunter. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just do- yep. that, that doesn't make sense to me. In order, t- in order to do what you do and do it well, I feel like you have to be a participant in it. Or, or even to the point where me sitting up here talking about hunting and fishing and not hunting or fishing, it just doesn't make sense. Right. Right. Uh, okay, so Mystery Ranch is one of your favorite interviews. What about what num- was, uh, number two? I was going to say, number two, I liked, um, was it was it Muzzy or G5? It was G5. Yeah, that one actually um, launched uh, Monday of this week uh, with Chris James from Muzzy. That was, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a really good interview. Yep, it might I think it might have started just a touch slow. But then, yeah. no, it got – some momentum got going with it. And yeah, oh, just well, that one. And then we also had a really good interview with the founder uh, and, I think, president of G5 Broadheads as that's well. That's what I'm talking okay, about. Okay, yeah, that's, that's the yeah. one that started off kind of slow. But then as, as uh, the interview got rocking and rolling, uh, we uncovered some really cool things about Broadhead design and engineering that all went behind it. So – yeah. Yep, 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 yep. All right, now kind of kind of uh let's see. I'm trying to think of one of my favorites. Actually, in the boot category, the lacrosse interview and the crispy interview that we did were both equally impressive. I would rate those two up there with the knowledge base that these people had uh talking about the products and and their respective companies. I would agree. I would agree. It's the lacrosse one is, um, that was the first one we did. Yeah. Absolutely. And first one. That was, that was also, I had only been at ATA for about 30 minutes. So I was a bit, <laughs> I, was, I was a bit in awe. Right. So I had Dan, I had Dan writing notes on a piece of paper questions to, <laughs> and sliding them over to me and be like, dude, say something. <laughs> <laughs> Don't just breathe into the microphone for the whole time. <laughs> right. right. I was just looking around at everything. I was looking at you. I was like, wow, he's asking some really good questions. And I was, you know, I got a wall of boots behind you and I'm looking at all the boots and I was just like, yep, you're at ETA right now and you should probably maybe ask a question. <laughs> get your, get your head in the game. Get your head in the game. Yeah. Oh man. There's like a, there was a, a movie I watched when I was a kid. It was about hockey and uh, like one of the best hockey players in the world. Um, decides something happens i think he maybe gets kicked out of hockey and he doesn't want to give up the love of skating so he he tries competitive ice skating you know he he gets a partner and and does all the tricks and um right before he goes on to his first competition he pukes and then he's like oh man don't worry about it i usually get over it by the end of the first period and then she's like uh this is only a minute long (laughs) and (laughs) so there's pop i'm just glad you didn't puke in the lacrosse booth no, 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 no. We we were good. Yeah, we were good. Yeah. All right. So, what about your first overall impression of the ATA show? Like when when you walk in that room, it's almost like walking into a baseball stadium. All these brands have big banners. There's thousands of people walking all over the place, and it's just like, 
there's guy there's a guy I've only seen on TV. Oh, there's a guy I follow on Instagram. Uh, there's a, a bow manufacturer or a, a camo manufacturer. What was your first yeah. impression? I was overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Not gonna lie to you, I was overwhelmed. Um, I was just walking around for a little bit. Um, you told me to meet you at the lacrosse booth at like eight fifty, and I got there at like. 849 you were nowhere to be seen nobody knew who i was so i was just like <laughs> i was like i just feel so small and insignificant and uh, so i just started <laughs> i started walking around i ran to mark kenyon and i was like and, and mark and i we've known each other since like he was in college so before he was the big wired to hunt guy that he is the superstar but, um, mark kenyon yeah yeah so i talked to him briefly and then, um, and of course he's like, you know, oh, I got to go to a meeting. Everyone's got to go to a meeting. Yeah. That's one thing. Every just, even if you don't have to go to a meeting, if you want to end a conversation with someone, you just have to say, oh, I got to go to a meeting. And everyone's like, yep, gotcha. Yeah. You know, so it's like, everyone's uh, going, it's everyone's 10, going. it's 1037. It's like, yeah, I got to, I got to go. <laughs> I, <Yeah. laughs> I used it. I used it a couple times. Uh, more, yeah. more often than not, it's cause I had to piss really bad and uh man we i tell you what we recorded a lot of interviews and we like i think we did a really good job pretty much uh sticking to the schedule except for the very last day where you could i just could tell i had a block of two hours lined up and i could just tell that the guy was worn out and he necessarily didn't want to do it i was worn out and i'm like hey dude let's just do these over the phone he's like Okay, sounds good to me. <laughs> so yeah. we had a we had a mutual understanding. So there's going to be obviously coming out of the ATA show. There are uh, not only a lot of podcasts that I'm going to launch, but a lot more interviews that I have yet to do, and those will be over the phone. So, all right, ATA show. Um, we you know we talked about some of our favorite interviews. When when you did get the chance to walk around. Uh, what did you see? What did you look for as far as the gear side of things? Mm, I was looking at sights. I was looking at arrows. Um, and then obviously bows. Yeah. Um, one thing with the, one thing with a lot of the, the bow companies is they're all kind of, it was essentially two big buildings, right? Right. And all the, most of the bow, uh, manufacturers are along the outer edges because then they have shooting lanes. Yes. So you shoot like towards the wall of the building, just safety reasons, stuff like that. Um, I forgot where I was going with that, but um, just kind of describing the layout of yeah. the floor. Yeah. 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 So no, I was, uh, so I was looking at bows. I was looking at, uh, cause, cause I'm looking at getting a new setup for 2020. Um, Brand new everything. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to kind of try to go with the uh, little heavier draw weight, a little heavier arrow, and, um, you know, for elk, I don't know if I'm going to go to, like, to a, like a fixed two-blade, um, like an all-one-piece, or, or if I'll stick with, like, a, uh, like a fixed three-blade or something like that. So there's, there's just a lot of options. Um, and, yeah, I was looking at broadheads, too, because trying to change that whole setup. So, um yeah, and, and I'm trying uh, just talking to guys, talking to guys about different um, arrow setups, different arrow weights, and I had one guy kind of tell me that it's you probably don't really need to worry about going over 450 grains 
for um, any sort of animal in North America. Yeah. So and he's yeah. So I don't know. There was there was a lot. Um, there was not. There was kind of actually a lack of um, apparel. You know, there was like Sika wasn't there. I don't think Cryptic. No, Cryptic wasn't there either. I don't think Kiwi was there. Yeah. And um, just kind of a heads up, the ATA show uh, typically doesn't support direct-to-consumer. Um, oh, Direct-to-consumer. Gotcha. So it's more of a – because it is a retail organization. That helps. Right. Yeah. So yeah. that's why and some of those I, companies weren't there. Gotcha. That makes sense. And then, yeah, just kind of figuring it all out because – you know, everyone's walking around with a badge and it's yeah. basically you're either a manufacturer or a buyer slash retailer or your press. So just kind of getting the vibe of it all and and just realizing that it's you know, it's a lot of manufacturers sitting down with retailers and signing contracts for the twenty twenty season. Yeah. You know, a lot just of see, buying seeing the going whole, on. Yep, seeing the whole workflow of it. Um so that was, that was interesting. And then, yeah, anyone you talked to was super nice. Yeah. Um, for the most part, everyone was pretty knowledgeable. So right. uh, there's a lot, a lot of good going on. I, I'm not going to lie. Outside looking in the past three, four years, you know, ATA show, social media just blows up. Yeah. Everyone is at ATA. So it's easy to kind of like get that like hater mentality, like – and that's kind of how I always viewed it. Like everyone's at ATA, everyone's posting about being at ATA, blah, blah, blah. And, um, I kind of didn't want to go. I didn't want to like be involved with that sort of, I'm better than you type of mentality. <laughs> yeah. I will say yeah, this. Kinda. I will say this. The, the, if they let the general public into the ATA show, nothing would get done. And I would be hard. It would be a hard argument to say that, that, that it wouldn't ever happen again. Right. It's just, it's, it's an industry show. It is a business show. And, uh, they're like, like they said, man, a lot of business gets done there throughout the year. And it's just a, a great time, a great place for these companies to still, support the 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 bow shops that are out there and i know a lot of these mom and pop bow shops are struggling because obviously the the hunting or you know the decline in numbers it's got to affect somebody and it's it's affecting the those bow shops so it's a good place for business to get done yeah absolutely and and that's i think that's where i was kind of leading up to because um a lot of things on like facebook you know people throw out like who's going to be an ata and a lot of guys are like, why isn't it open to the public? Mm-hmm. I would love to go, blah, blah, blah. And it's, um, for, I, I totally get why it's, it's not open to the public because like what you said, if it was nothing would get done. But, um, if you want to go to ATA, do some work, start, start a podcast, start a blog, go with, if you want to go the press route or create a product, right. um, you know, do, do something, do something to, have a reason to go there yeah if you want to look at all the new products just sit on the couch with your phone and google everything because yeah. you can you know you yeah you can't touch it but you can get a pretty good idea of all the new stuff coming out yeah so absolutely yeah all right so yeah. did, how many how many bows did you shoot 
I want to say like six or seven. What, enough that which well, ones? Enough to let my uh, a couple different Matthews, um, two different primes, shot the elite, um, a couple Hoyts. What else? I did not get the expedition archery, which I wanted to. And then I forget. There was another one that I cannot remember the name. Did you get? Did you shoot that alien looking bow? Uh, what was it called? I think it was actually called the alien. Is that the one that's like uh, really short? It, yeah, a sh- very short axle, axle like twenty inches, and then the owner of it says, uh, <laughs> he's like, "Hey man, you got?" Go we yeah. asked him about Instagram. He's like, uh, "Instagram." Yeah. No, I have a phone number. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I shot that. Yeah, that was crazy. So kind of crazy thing. So what did you think about the bows that you shot? I mean, for the most part, uh, Prime, Elite, Matthews, you've pretty much just named the what I would call the higher tier bows. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't terribly worried about shooting um, PSE because uh, they're at my local bow shop here. That's like a mile from where I work. Um, who else? I forget who else. But uh, no, it was it's crazy because they all have the way they're the, the design. I mean, when you draw them, some have about the the peak weight of the draw in the first third of the draw cycle. Some of it have it spread out evenly throughout the whole draw cycle, and then obviously some of it have it where the first two thirds is easy and and the and the hardest draw is the last third of the draw cycle so uh, it's just it was crazy to see that and then on obviously everything else everything has like uh it's hard just to hear how loud they are um but then it's it's real easy to tell if they've got a lot of um hand shock or not yeah so um yeah absolutely yeah so let's see i shot pretty much uh the same bows that you did uh i added a couple the Athens, uh, uh, some bows from Athens and some bows from uh, Obsession. Now, first off, I have to, uh, I'm going to probably have some people make fun of me and give me some shit for this because I've honestly (coughs) never really been a fan of Matthew's bows, right? Uh, and can you tell me, can you elaborate on that? Yeah. So uh, specifically, I have not been a fan of their draw cycle. Okay. Right. In the past, so like the last, um, the last two years specifically, I don't know. There's something about the draw cycle that I just didn't click with, like I did with uh, Prime, or I'm trying to think of another, uh, the Gearhead bow that I shot in the past. Right. I, I really liked yeah. those those companies' draw cycles. This year, I shot the Matthews, and dude, they got a sick bow this year. Right. They got a sick bow. The oh, yeah. Prime did it again man they got a sick bow and i i sound like a complete douchebag they did it again like i can't believe they keep doing it again like they did it again it's like jesus christ shut up <laughs> and, you know like so um so prime the the black series uh i'm a huge fan of the shorter axle to axles um i know i think you're opposite right you like a longer axle to axle i do yes, yeah correct so, what is the highest axle to axle that you think you would shoot? Because they make thirty-seven inches. Some of these companies yeah. do. I wouldn't go over. Th- right now, mine's thirty-five, 35. and then you add the cams on, it's like thirty-nine or something. Like if you took 
top of the cam to the bottom of the cam. You know what I mean? Right. It, I think I measured it. It was like 39, but right. axle to axle, it's 35. Right. Um, that's, a, that's as much as I would go because it, it's luckily I'm a bigger guy, I'm like six two. So having a little bit bigger of a bow is not a big deal. Um, but like also you get like into a ground blind situation. That's kind of challenging. Yeah. Um, I haven't really noticed any drawbacks as far as like elk hunting or anything like that. And really for the most part, whitetail hunting, I haven't noticed any big drawbacks uh, having a bigger bow. Um, but, but yeah, I can see why a shorter bow is, uh, you know, it's just more maneuverable. Right. So yeah, I, I, I get... yeah. And I'm a, I'm a shorter axle to axle guy. So like if I could hover around 30 inches this year, uh, let's see, I think last year's, I forget, man, I, I forget what my, my logic was last year. I think it was like 30 or 31 this, this year I shot, um, the CT three, which is uh, 33 axle to axle. And, um, and then their new one that the black series that they just came out with, I shot their uh, smallest axle to axle. And I loved, I loved that bow. I loved the Matthews. And then, um, the, then we shot the elite. What was that? the cure was that the cure the cure yes. that that's a good bow too man i'm telling you uh those three are i would say close to being dead even across uh, the top three that i shot at the show now one thing that i was actually blown away by just shooting all these bows in past years and brands it's it's like you get to a point where you just kind of walk by them because you know you know you're not going to shoot them you know, you, you know, like uh, this brand typically in the past hasn't performed as well as some of the other bows that are out there that I've that I've shot. So I said, okay, I'm going to give a couple of these a chance. And I just happened to be standing in an area when we had some dead time to where I was able to shoot the new bow from Obsession and mm-hmm. the new bow from Athens Archery. And I'm telling you what, those two bow manufacturers have really stepped their game up and i'm sure there was others in the room that uh you know that i didn't shoot that maybe made equal you know equal jumps but i was i was really impressed with the athens bow the new bow from athens uh, and it was the shortest axle to axle uh was almost perfect uh i would i would rate it just under the top three uh, that we that we already mentioned, but then I felt like as the axle to axle increased on the obsession bows, the hand shock started to creep in, and the same with the Athens bow. But the two at the Athens and the obsession and the smallest axle to axles that they offer, man, really, really impressed me. Yeah, I also look at finish and design. Yeah, and I liked I liked the obsession bow. But there's something with the finish that I just I can't explain it. It's just it's different than your standard flagship bow. You mean like it uh, doesn't shiny, or it's too shiny? Like the, like the yeah yes the shine on it and I just look like it, like they they must dip their their uh, riser and it just I don't know it looked it looked different. Right. Um, I don't have time then, to, I don't have time to do it. I'm going to let you, I got to finish this thought real quick before I forget it. Sorry. No, you're good. 
Um, I would love for someone, you know, there's a ton of YouTube guys out there and they do a ton of things. I would love for a blind shooting where they put a blindfold on. They don't know the make. They don't know the model. All they know is there's a bow in their hand. It's set up to their liking and they have to, the only thing they can touch is the grip. Someone knocks, you know, locks them in and they basically just, uh, um, uh, blank bail a target and they have to make their decision based off of that without brand involved without specs involved whatever just by feel alone and uh, I would love to see the results on something like that so one of you crazy uh, YouTubers out there make that happen and then let me know about it and come on the podcast and we'll talk about it there you go alright there you go now I interrupted you what, what were you going to say uh, I look at design also. So the obsession bow, they're the only one that I saw. So you know how some bows, the cable has, it's like slides on a, oh yeah, on a stationary piece. Yeah. And then like um, a lot of the other ones, just they have like the rollers that the cable goes through. Yep. So they had a roller on a slide, and I've always stayed stayed away from bows that had um, a cable on a slide because the first bow I ever owned was on a slide and I was hunting um, in like some freezing rain conditions and it froze and it when I went to go draw back it like was chipping ice away and it got really loud huh. I think I even noticed it yeah I even noticed it when that slides on that station stationary shaft I even noticed that if it's like frosty out if you got some frost on your bow for whatever reason um, it just it can make some noise or it can stick and stuff like that. So I've always just steered clear of that. So, yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. now let's say, do you think that you make too much of a decision on your bow based off of the fit? Let's say the finish and the design, if it doesn't play a role in the actual function of the bow? Um, no, I think I've, it's more so like performance yeah. and and warranty. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So let's see. We talked a little bit about bows. Was there anything uh, on the show floor that really caught your attention? A lot of the tree stands coming out. There's definitely going to be, I think, technology is only going to get better and there's some really good lightweight options coming out for hang-ons yeah um and then there's a lot going on with ground blinds too so i was very impressed with hawk and what they are offering as far as hang-ons um ladder stands and uh ground blinds yeah so they got tons of options and then was that honey made easy something like that yep they um I mean, just all the little knick-knack accessories um, that can just really – I mean, yeah, I could find a use for every little thing that they they make. Yeah. So, so, and for those yeah. of you who don't know, Hunting Made Easy is a company, and I'm pretty sure they just make accessories. Like little they, – they make knife kits. They make everything that a hunter would really need aside from bows, arrows, broadheads. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or yep. a tree gun. arms, tree stands, tree arms, pull up ropes, uh, stuff like that. Yeah. 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 Hoist, you know, a hoist kit. They got a hitch 
They got a, a hoist kit that you can put in your hitch so you can get your deer up off the ground, skin it right at the back of your truck or SUV. So yep. a hitch hoist. Yeah. A lot of cool stuff. All right. So, so I want to elaborate on tree stands a bit. And I want to talk about Lone Wolf, XOP, and uh, let's see, we got Lone Wolf, XOP, and Lone Wolf Custom Gear, right? They're basically in a category all by themselves because, honestly, they are very close, if not the same tree stand, right, as far as the function is concerned. I think XOP is made in China. Uh, Lone Wolf is made in the U.S. I'm not 100% sure about Lone Wolf Custom Gear, if they're U.S. I heard they were going to be U.S., but maybe they're not U.S. Anyway, right. from a design standpoint, they're, pre- they're, they're very similar. I know uh, there's some things that separate them just a, a little bit. And then there's the rest of them, in my opinion. And I say the rest of them because I'm, I'm biased based off of how I hunt run and gun mobile. So I'm walking around to a company like millennium or, or Hawk or muddy just to name a couple mm-hmm. and their, their tree stands would definitely work for what I'm trying to do, except two things, just two things. The, the bracket that touches the tree, uh, I think on the lone wolf, they're called the the bat wing basically it's the it's what allows the tree stand to be vertical when you you're sitting in a crooked tree right and and then the second one is self-leveling where some of these um, tree stands don't allow you to level the platform so if you're leaning forward or back your uh if the tree stand itself is leaning forward and back the platform doesn't have any adjustability to it and man if I, I feel like so many more tree stands would be in the game if they did they addressed one of those two problems on on their platforms and tree stands because when you come to th- when you think about it right you you really need just a flat surface to stand on if you're a tree stand hunter you know yeah. what I mean and man I don't know I like the the hawk looks like it has a really good one and um. I had a really good conversation. I didn't record it, and I, I will eventually. But the one of the guys from Millennium, man, I'm not I'm not joking. Their seats are so comfortable, but the fact that you have to set a bracket in a tree, hang hang the tree stand, and still not have it potentially level, I feel like it, that's a southern tree stand for people hunt who hunt out of. Uh, pine you know pine trees just straight up and down trees everywhere and yeah. uh, you know I, i'm sure mm-hmm. there's guys out there who can do the modifications and you know they put the the millennium seat on a lone wolf on a lone wolf platform and uh, make all that work but i honestly think there's still room in the uh, in the tree stand market for someone to come in and make a a lower point price point lone wolf if that makes sense yeah i i would agree i would agree with you there there's a, and, and that hawk might kind of be doing it with their their ultralight xt i mean that thing was only seven pounds yeah but, but you can't the flat, the, you can't make you can't adjust it they don't have a bat wing you, know, it, it, you, you can only sit it on a straight tree i'm looking at you can adjust it 
the platform or does it have a bat wing on the back uh, of it? The platform. You can adjust the platform. Okay, so you can adjust the platform, but you can't adjust the – so if you put it in a crooked tree, it's going to be crooked. Right. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for yep. the mobile guy. Now, I'm sure you could jerry-rig it where you could – put it up in a tree and cam it down or uh, ratchet strap it down so tight that it it wouldn't move but for the running gun mobile hunter i mean you're talking you're just there's all this extra time you have to do to level it i just don't think it's an option yeah yeah i agree with you so um that's just me being picky on 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 the way i hunt and i mean still that's why i that's why i use lone wolf is because i don't you know i don't feel like there's another option out there right now yeah xop is coming out with some solid stuff for like attaching your sticks to the edge of this of the the platform yeah but it's heavy it's definitely heavy it definitely makes their stick which is like looks very comparable to a lone wolf stick yeah um it just it makes it like a half pound heavier um right i did notice that they, they definitely yeah there's definitely a little quality difference between xop and lone wolf portable tree sticks <laughs> man so and i got i got i have to address that because i'm biased i get paid by i don't even know lone wolf right I, that's how lone wolf tree stands who pays me and i rep their company on this podcast right so it's hard for me to stay unbiased but man xop had some tree stands hanging in their booth that i would personally be embarrassed as far as the finish of the product right did you see that i took pictures of everything i've got pictures of all those defects right so how that how that ended up as your show product i don't know yeah but yeah that's i I, that's that's why that's why you pay less for xop right but but really how much less 20 bucks right right 20 bucks or let's just say even 30 bucks that's the difference between the lone wolf made in america and the made in china and if you think 30 bucks is that it allows like I'm not going to buy a tree stand that looks like there's a crack in it and and save 30 bucks. I'll spend 30 extra dollars and buy something that looks like it's pristine. You know what I mean? The finishes are just crazy. Now, I will say on the Lone Wolf Custom Gear gear um that their finish is superb was was superb on their tree stands and they have a new camera arm and and their new platforms for saddle hunters yeah but it just blew it blew my mind that xop would even have that hanging in in the tree stand and and let's just let me back up just one more second and say i'm sure the function of the of the product didn't wouldn't suffer at all you know i would still use an xop over any other tree stand but it just blows my mind that the they can't fit they can't figure the finish of it out. Right, right. I totally agree. Um, the uh, I would say finish and quality of your Lone Wolf custom gear is right up there with Lone Wolf portable tree stands. I know yeah. this is a mouthful for each company, but yeah. um, the platforms and I get I get it's all lightweight. I want to say I want to say. Lone Wolf Custom Gear had like a five and a half pound hang on, but 
And I know Dan, you said it wouldn't bother you because you don't move around a much. You don't you don't stand up and move around a, a ton. Or if you are standing, you just don't move around a lot. But like for me, it was such a small tree stand. I would be able to get two size 13 boots on there, and that's all. You can't. There's no moving. Right. So, and yeah. here's a here's a perfect example. If I couldn't have uh, the platform on my lone wolf that I shot. Uh, the second buck of the of this bow season out of if i if that platform wasn't as long as it was and i couldn't get i had to try to do a 180 where i was facing the tree and back my heels off to that very edge of the platform in order to get a clean shot on this buck if that platform is five inches shorter i don't get that shot off this year right so there's i mean it's a game of it's a game of inches so and that's a perfect example yeah So the next thing that I think this is the perfect transition is saddle hunting, right? Every single time I walked by the, uh, the tethered booth, there was 20, you know, like man, 30 guys standing in front of, of course, 10 of them were the tethered guys. They brought like an army to man the booth with them and, and talk to people about it. But, but, uh, hunting out of a, uh, out of a saddle is a huge it's it's hot right now I'll, I'll just say it's hot right now yeah yeah uh i'm gonna try it i'm just gonna bite the bullet and try it yeah um i'm not gonna like become a saddle hunter because that's not really how i'd like to hunt um but yeah i'm gonna try it i'm gonna see what all the buzz is about there was so many people there that i never like threw a harness out i just there was too many people right and when when i finally had time I was pretty peopled out, um, so I, I just steered clear there. Right. But, um, yeah, I, the, sometime this summer I'm going to buy a saddle and try it out and see how I like it and see what it's all about. But yeah. What's, just, what's yeah. cool is that I got the – I got the uh, not only at the booth but out at one of the bars one night, I got a chance to meet the guys uh, that own the company and, and run it. And I'll tell you this. They are some really good guys who are very passionate about their product, and that's a win, if you ask me, because as you know, we talked to some people at the ATA show who are maybe not the right people to have in certain positions, and you know, it's just like, hey, I'm here to fill, I'm here to fill a position, and uh, they weren't passionate about it, and I understand it's a new company, and they had a lot of... Uh, you know, they had a lot of energy going into the show, and I, I tell you what, it's refreshing to see that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, anything else it, from the ATA that uh, you were excited about, whether it's product or, or anything else? Uh, off the top of my head, no. Okay. Um, so several years ago, uh, man, I can't even it's probably three years ago, I was at the ATA show and all of the conservation organizations were out in the hallway of, of their, all like the, the boat, the bow hunting for youth people. Um, oh man, I left my business cards downstairs, but I gathered some business cards from some of these, uh, not-for-profit organizations. What I liked to see now is they have made their way on to the showroom floor. So they have an entire area dedicated to 
uh, not-for-profits and conservation organizations like uh, QDMA, uh, the NDA, the Mule Deer Foundation, uh, and then a couple other like archery for kids type of uh, um, organizations as well. And I thought that is that's a that makes a big statement saying that, you know, these people and these organizations should have equal, you know, equal equality to the, uh, you know, to the industry and to the to the, the hunting community. Yeah. Biggest, biggest takeaway is talking to some of my buddies that were like, well, what's what's one of the biggest things that you took away from ATA or how was the show? Blah, yeah. blah, blah. One of the biggest things over the over the three days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every single day there was focus on there and there was discussions on hunter recruitment. Yeah. Yeah, and it's definitely it's definitely on everybody's radar. Right. So you know, the industry they have to acknowledge it, right? If if they're not acknowledging it, they're being they're lying to themselves. Right. And there's statistics out there that show that in the next um, I think it's like 12 years when this baby boom generation starts to, I don't know, hit 70 years old. There's a huge there's a huge cutoff at 70 years old. So it's almost like statistics show that when someone turns 70, they're like 80, 90 percent likely to stop hunting, period. Right. And um so that we have a huge decline coming and people are starting to realize that. So now these companies know it's like, okay, well, in order for us to have longevity in this market, we need to help pump up the numbers to try to get more hunters into hunting. And that's why I think crossbows are becoming so, you know, such a huge, uh, there's an emphasis on, on that particular weapon because it's, it's not a gun, which is less threatening in my opinion. And it is not a bow, which takes a little bit higher of a technical skill to operate than a, than a crossbow may. So I think, you know, as much as we, and I, I hate to say it because I, I think in the past I've been part of the problem is, you know, I give some people shit because they, you know, as, as a, as a friend to a friend, right. Yep. You know, it's yep. like, Oh, when, whenever I played rugby, I, uh, uh, we always used to make fun of the guys who would wear the scrum hats. We're like, oh, <laughs> you guys are weak. You, we, you wear a scrum hat and make fun of them. And yeah. kind of like if if you were to shoot a crossbow, I'd probably give you a little bit of shit for shooting a crossbow. I don't mean it, but, you know, make fun of them a little bit. But I'm telling you right now, the crossbow market, and I feel like crossbows in general, are going to be play a huge role in acquiring new hunters for, you know, uh, for the future. Absolutely. And there were some good points made about that, about exactly that. Yeah. If someone's getting into hunting and they're using a crossbow, let them, let them have success with a crossbow. And then, and, and, and maybe it leads to them using a compound, but get their foot in the door. Right. That was a big message. Like there's so much, if someone, Post a grip and grin with a cross and bow on a Facebook group. There's going to be a guy or two or a hundred that attack them for yeah. using a crossbow. And it's like you don't know this guy's story. You don't know right. his path. Like just 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 be a decent <laughs> human. Be yeah. happy for him, and then know that having another hunter in the industry is is better for the entire industry as far as participation, as far as us having a voice and and getting things done and uh you know keeping 
right keeping the tradition alive absolutely absolutely and this i think this is a perfect transition to talk now a little bit about uh Thursday. Thursday after the show was over, there was a social summit that was put on by the Archery Trade Association and uh, the guys from the hunting public. And before I, I get into it, what was your takeaway of that? Like it started, it's, it started a little like, what are we talking about? Right. It's kind of all over the place. But what what did you what did you take away from this social summit? Well, yeah, it did. It started a little kind of all over the place. And I kind of was didn't, the name of it didn't really resonate with me very well. either. I was like, what are we going to? I mean, I wasn't even asking you, like, what yeah. what, what does that mean? Yeah. And um yeah, at the end of it all, it basically it was a room for full of I guess you'd call quote unquote influencers. Whether it's guys like the hunting public that have a YouTube series, guys like us that have a hunting podcast, um, guys like Jeff Sturgis that are, are big into hop or into uh, habitat uh, improvement. Um, it was all about just the image that hunters portray uh, on social media and how we should move forward with representing the uh the sport respectfully and the animals respectfully on a global also, platform like yes. facebook and instagram you're right yes yes it was a social media summit yes yeah okay so, so uh, my takeaway is was was great i loved it the the room as the as the meeting went on there was more and more people filtering in um it's great. It's almost if we could all pay, if, if everyone in that room could pay it forward and, and and somehow get that message out to two people and then have those two people get that message out, it, hopefully it can spread like some sort of cancer, yeah, a, a good cancer. But um, yeah, it's going to take some work for sure to get the message out. And, and yeah, and, and then the idea of policing ourselves, um, say uh, part of it's, you know, you know the, the if you have a if you have a ton of followers on Instagram or Facebook and you you know you have one second for some for a non-hunter that sees your photo you have one second to grab their attention and if you grab their attention with a big bloody photo um, it could and, and someone's on the fence you know they're they're they don't hunt they they might be okay with hunting but they don't really think about it they say this big gory photo. Now, instead of being on the fence of not caring, they're on the fence of like, I don't know that I support that. Right. Why does that need to happen? Um, so it's just, it's addressing that. And then the, the, the comment, and maybe even you made it, Dan, was privately policing ourselves. You don't have to go and write on a guy's wall or Instagram um, comment where everyone can see and call them out for the photo, but maybe send them a direct message and say, hey, man, like, we're all different about what we want to share. Um, I appreciate your photo and stuff like that, but maybe think about that, the overall message that it can convey to a, to a non hunter. So, and I, and I know a lot of guys have a problem with, you know, this is my sport or it's my profile, you know, I'll show whatever I want, blah, blah, blah. It's just try to think about the long term effects and the greater good of hunting. Yeah. And, you know, obviously this conversation can go way deeper than what I'm going to take it today, but 
what I took out of this is that uh, we we have a responsibility, right? We are a minority, right? And just like all minorities, uh, what our passions and uh, all that stuff are up on the chopping block. At you know, like for example, there's let's just say Canada or certain states in uh, the Northeast that have literally stopped either spear hunting because you know one person made a um like a a bad judgment right or like some anti-hunters got a hold of it and uh did what they do to it um or you know a group of people said hey i don't want you to shoot bears and now bear hunting is illegal in certain areas of the of the country or the you know the reduction of tags or even in canada and you know as long for here's where i stand if it is legal and if it is ethical then i support it but if we sit here and we start to argue amongst ourselves on whether or not it was a public land hunt versus a private land hunt was it with a crossbow or whether was it with a bow or a rifle you know did, was it on a lease or did you get permission to hunt it it's just like i like to hear the stories but i'm not going to judge somebody based off of how they hunt right and, and a big one is let's just say high fence hunting in texas dude high fence hunting in texas is legal Right. If if someone decides to go out and spend their money that way, right, and buy a hunting license and support the industry by buying camo and bows and arrows, and you know supporting the economy through uh, the the hunting industry, then do it, man. Why not? You know what is what is wrong with that? And we have a group of people, and I I will say this that you know the the public versus private thing, there it really kind of tweaks me a little bit because I grew up, I grew up in Iowa where there was hardly any public land to hunt, right? You go out in uh, some of these counties in, in Iowa, there's no, there is no public hunting. So you either have to know somebody or you have to travel, you know, to the next county or two counties to go hunt. And then hearing someone say, you know, like, well, man, you know, well, he killed it on a private farm. Does that matter? I mean, at, at the end no. of the day, does it really matter whether it was shot on private or public or if it was what weapon it was used? Those people went out and they supported the hunting industry. They paid their bill. You know, they paid their for their tag just like everybody else does. So instead of like, I don't get me wrong. I like to know. I like to ask the question like, hey, dude, tell me about the, the, the land that this uh, animal was killed on or tell me the story because I think that's really important. But to, to make a judgment based off of the weapon and based off of the, um, you know, the weapon or based off of what kind of property it was on is just a tad ridiculous, if you ask me. And, yeah. um and I've been guilty of that in the past, straight up. I'll admit it. I've been I've been guilty of uh, making some of these judgment calls uh, in the past, and uh, it, it's got to stop. It's got to stop. Instead of criticizing someone, we should be telling them congratulations. Absolutely, more um, more unity, less division. Yes. Um, and then a big thing also I took away from it, um, and this is this is all, it's very very social media driven um oh oh, oh, let me back up it's very 
we're discussing the social media platform and how hunting is portrayed on that platform. Right. And context. Yes, context. People need to use more context. Don't just, it's not just another 200 inch buck on the ground, you know, give us, and, the, and then you tag a bunch of hunting companies, give us the story. Right. Like that's, I even just read, because because we are in the social media world, um, I'm subscribed to a couple different um, guys on that uh, talk about like Instagram trends and stuff like that. And they actually said one of the keys to 2020 and getting more followers is the longer, the longer posts on Instagram, not just the, not just the 10 or 12 word quick phrase about a photo. It's the longer drawn out stories that are getting more, um, interaction on Instagram. That's a, it's an honest to God technical trend on the social media platform. That's pretty like cool. You, use that. Yeah. yeah. Use that to your advantage. Yeah. So, and then when the trend goes away, we can go back to BBD. <laughs> no no yeah. way, dude. No way. <laughs> right. BBD, big buck down. <laughs> shot it with this bow. Yeah. Shot, you know, yeah. rage in the yeah. cage. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, exactly. you know, it, it was cool. I, I don't know how many people in that room actually had some of these network television slots. I know there was one guy there. Um, and he, he, I would, I would say, uh, Nick, uh, Nick's wild ride. Is that what it's called? Was that that dude? He was, he was at this summit and his, his TV show isn't like a whack em stack em. It's like a, Hey, go to a place, observe the culture and then go out hunting and fishing. You know what I mean? Okay. So, yeah. um, I think, uh, uh, that was cool to see him in there. Uh, it was also cool to see some of the manufacturers in there. And I'm sure yes. there was more than what we than what I witnessed. But Vortex had a representative there. Bear Archery yep. had a representative there. And then I think that everybody else, um, everybody else in there, was uh, was more along the lines of what we're doing, right? I, I guess uh, QDMA had some representatives there as well. And, uh, it was, uh, it was really cool, man. I'm, I'm just glad to see that there, that there's more people than just me who feel as hardcore passionate about this sport, uh, the sport of hunting. And I hate even calling it a sport, a hobby, uh, an activity, whatever, but I just really love seeing the the emotion in that room and <laughs> kind of, of of all people I was the most emotional out of everybody. I uh, I'll admit it. I lost my cool and uh I started crying and swearing and I don't even know if I made a point. I just like I had I kind of knew what this this whole uh summit was going to be about. And for me like the outdoors kind of saved me from going down a path that I didn't know if a person could necessarily recover from where, you know, I was just doing dumb shit, a lot of drinking, uh, wasting my life, so to speak, and finding hunting and the outdoors really kind of changed me uh, for the better. And uh, it's it's that passion and, and knowing that this thing we call hunting and the outdoors saved me is 
why I was so emotional and passionate because I want to introduce that to other people who may need guidance and saying that dude, nature can heal you and nature can save you. And, uh, whether you're just hiking or camping or, or doing what we do and hunting there, there's, there is a healing power there that, uh, I, I wish everybody in at some point in their life can experience. Yeah. Very well said. Knowing that it makes, um, accepting you crying <laughs> at ATA, uh, a little easier to accept. Um, and just so all the listeners know, Dan was absolutely ridiculed later that night by, <laughs> by yours truly about crying at ATA. So. <laughs> yes, you did. And I would have done the same too. So I'm glad we're bros. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a, that was another takeaway. I was telling my wife that I was like, she was like, "Had you ever met Dan before?" I was like, "No, had no idea." Um, but yeah, no, Dan, solid dude. Good to hang out with you for three days, and uh, yeah, so it was cool to to finally meet you, drink a couple beers, and shoot the shit. Absolutely, so. absolutely. So you know, just to finish up on this social summit uh, thing real quick, keep an eye out from all your favorite content providers. Um, because I think there's going to be some very interesting stuff coming down the pipe. Some really, uh, some, uh, long story short, we are creating an army and we're going to need your help. So if you're listening to this right now, we will need your help and, uh, create this army and change a culture and, um, you know, and not just do a lot of talking but also doing a lot of listening because we can't alienate anybody. We have to learn how to get along and we have to learn how to communicate with each other. And I think that's the most important thing. Um, you know, despite the weapon you use, despite, you know, how you communicate, I think that, uh, once we can all sit down and (laughs) join hands and sing a love song, we (laughs) would, we will, uh, it will, it will become easier to communicate and then we can start screaming from the mountaintops. Hey, you want a fun time? You want to enjoy yourself? You want to eat some organic meat? Why don't you come hunting? And, uh, and then we'll take anybody who wants to come, man. Yeah, absolutely. Hunting's, um, hunting has never had social media before. Right. And now that it does, and we see how hunting and social media work together, uh, it's apparent changes need to be made. So be part of the change. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, other than that, man, uh, anything else, any closing, uh, closing thoughts on ATA dude or, uh, that Uh, weekend or whatever. I am just glad that I got through an hour of talking about archery without crying. (laughs) (laughs) You son of a bitch. And I will, I will never bring it up again. (laughs) That's all right. It wouldn't be the first time I cried in public uh, over this. I did a podcast with Mark. Oh, two years ago. And, uh, I was fired up, right? I was telling, I was telling the story about how I just had shot, you know, this awesome five-year-old big mature buck. And then he flips it so fast. And he asked, Hey man, what would you do if you couldn't bow hunt? And I'd like stopped and I thought about it for a second and I just pictured me crying in a corner. So then I started crying and (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what, let, let, let me put it to you this way. The second I started having kids 
is I became kind of a Nancy and like being in more touch with my emotions and like getting emotional and I don't know maybe I'm maybe I'm just losing it too no I've I'm I don't have kids I consider myself a pretty aggressive and uh, um, I don't know pretty no nonsense guy Uh, but amongst my group of friends I am known as the crier so yep no I get it that's funny all right dude well uh, Bob, I just want to say thanks for uh, your time helping me out interviewing and just to all the listeners out there, make sure you are subscribed to the Hunting Gear podcast because that's where all of our interviews are going to be launched at. And uh, Bob, I guess uh, I'll talk to you when I talk to you. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me. And there you have it. Huge shout out to Bob for uh, hanging with me at the ATA and recording all of those episodes. Huge shout out uh, as always. And I say this as always, and I really mean it. Huge shout out to each and every one of you for giving up an hour or so of your day to listen to this uh crazy person talking to a microphone hopefully my passion resonates with you guys uh, because that's really why I do it is because I love bow hunting and hunting in the outdoors and archery so much that uh, I decided to kind of put make my life revolve around it huge shout out to all the partners of our podcast we got Ozonix Prime Vortex Lone Wolf and Wasp Archery if it wasn't for those companies supporting this uh, platform, uh, it wouldn't. This wouldn't be happening, right? I'd be putting out way less. The Sportsman's Nation wouldn't exist, and uh, but they did, and here we are. So please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. Other than that, hopefully everybody has a great rest of your week. Remember that you know hunting as a whole is going to be around for a little while yet, but. Your grandchildren or your grandchildren's children may not have the same hunting opportunities that we have today, so it's definitely something to fight for. And on that note, I'll talk to you next time.